Hello and welcome to the Church Times podcast. I'm Ed Thornton. On this week's episode, we talk about the part bishops have played in the Lords in government defeats on Brexit. We find out about a former heroin addict who is helping a church plant in Bolton to support people overcoming addictions. And our editor, Paul Hanley, will be telling us about an exciting new initiative to recognise young interfaith ambassadors. If you don't subscribe to the Church Times, you can try 10 issues for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk slash subscribe. First, bishops were instrumental in a set of further government defeats over Brexit in the Lords on Tuesday. Adam has been following the story as ever. What's been going on? This is the EU withdrawal bill, uh, which has been at report stage in the House of Lords. The government has actually been defeated 14 times uh, over the course of its report stage. Um, That's 14 amendments that have been added to the bill for various things, the most significant of which came on uh, Tuesday night with this, this vote on an amendment which called for the UK to stay in the effectively the single market after Brexit, um, the European economic area. That's uh, the thing that Norway are currently in. So not quite the EU, not quite the single market, but as close as possible to that. And the Bishop of Leeds, uh, Nick Baines, and uh, the Bishop of Ely, Stephen Conway, uh, both voted for the amendment uh, in this crucial vote, which wasn't as tight as it could have been, um, because 83 uh, Labour uh, peers rebelled against their whip, they'd been whipped to abstain, um, but but they, they, they've really been kind of, uh, bishops that is in the House of Lords have really been flexing their muscles and, and taking part in these debates in, in a way that perhaps hasn't been seen in recent years on, on key pieces of legislation. And then there was another amendment tabled by the Bishop of Leeds himself. Uh, yes, Bishop Baines tabled an amendment which aims to keep the option of uh, the UK remaining in some of the EU's agencies after Brexit, things that the government has kind of completely ruled off the table. Bishop Baines said that that he all he was doing in tabling his amendment was keeping these options on the table and giving the chance to stay in those agencies should the, should the opportunity arrive. Let's hear a little bit from Bishop Baines's speech. Now I remain concerned that a deeply divided country is being offered two stark alternatives which, if you will bear with me, I'll put in biblical terms. Someone has to. Like the people of Israel in the desert, we too easily romanticise the past and easily yearn to return to Egypt. Or, on the other hand, we promise on the other side of the mountain a land flowing with milk and honey, ignoring the challenges that go with it, with it not actually being our land to do with as we will. I mean it seriously when I suggest that we should be honest in our discourse on Brexit and acknowledge that we shall be spending some years in the wilderness as we begin to work out the consequences of the decisions we have taken and the implications of the relationships we must now begin to establish. But wilderness time is not necessarily negative time, simply a time of waiting and wishing and hoping or recriminating. It's not that, but a time for stripping away the clutter identifying and owning our values and priorities as a nation and actively bringing together a people divided by their varying apprehensions of events that have befallen them. That serious need for a concrete unifying strategy has yet to be addressed or articulated seriously in either House of this Parliament. Slogans and wishful thinking are not enough. 
So some powerful biblical imagery being employed by the bishop there. I guess that's no surprise if, if he can't use the Bible yeah. in the speech. Who else can? can? Yeah, yeah he, he said someone has to. Yeah, the, the, the Bishop of Leeds hasn't been backward in, in, in really voicing his concerns about Brexit. I think it was in February when he warned that the, the Brexit debate was leading to the, I think it was the normalisation of lies. Um, but, but he's really um, stepped up a gear here, warning that, that after Brexit, the UK is going to be in, in, in some kind of wilderness for a bit. He did obviously say that that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that it takes some time to adjust to. His, his amendment uh, was carried, um, I should say, the Bishop of St Albans and the Bishop of Ely both supported it. So bishops clubbing together on the on the benches of the House of Lords and, and supporting each other. The Bishop of Leeds was, was very keen to point out when he was speaking about this amendment to the withdrawal bill that just because he's put forward a, an amendment to the bill doesn't mean that he's he's one of these Ramonas that, that you hear about in the Daily Mail. That He, he stressed that, that the House of Lords role is to just check through legislation and pass it back to the Commons Obviously, the Commons has supremacy. It can decide on whether these things stay in the bill and then pass it back to the Lords. But but Bishop Baines said that he's, he's just asking the government to think again on whether it's kind of really thought about the some of the key parts um, of the Brexit debate. Next, a church plant in Bolton has started a new course to help people overcome addiction. One of the people behind the course is a former heroin addict who's now a committed Christian, Sean Kelly. Um, this is a really inspiring story, isn't it, Hattie? It is, yeah. It was really lovely to talk to him and and hear his story in his own words. I'm sure he's told it many times. Um, Essentially, he had a very difficult upbringing. His parents divorced when he was very small. His father developed symptoms of schizophrenia. So he grew up in quite a, he described it as a wild home. And then he was unfortunately sexually abused and all of these things uh, led him to be brought up in care. He spent most of his teenage years in care and that's when he started uh, drinking and also taking recreational drugs, cannabis. And then as soon as he left the care system, in his own words, he fell straight into hard drugs, including heroin, and he's now 42. So for a good 23 years, uh, he said he was severely addicted. And then you spoke to him about what happened next. Let's hear from Sean Kelly. I just landed at church one day with the kids and just felt at ease there. Got on with people. I knew a few people there. I didn't know a lot about everybody, but the kids enjoyed it, dragged me along a bit more. And I got myself into treatment just after that in February last year and not looked back. Now I can put it down to Jesus, to be honest. Mm. You know, I've been in hard addiction for over 20 years. Mm. Been through recovery programs and treatment services umpteen times. I ended up doing an alpha course, which was enlightening. Mm-hmm. It was part way through that alpha course that, yeah, I guess Jesus loved me. I went home and prayed for the guy that abused me, and I went back. I've not touched heroin. You've been talking to the assistant curate of St Paul's Aisley Bridge, which planted Oldham's church, and this is the Reverend Ben Woodfield. That's right, yeah. Ben planted this church in January 2016. It's actually located on the Oldham's estate, um, which is nearby in Bolton. So he wanted to serve a new community there and attract perhaps a younger, more family-orientated group of people. And some of those people were Sean and his wife and children. They do a number of activities, including messy church, um, and that was one of the things that that got him there. Ben Woodfield said um, about the estate, it's a typical out-of-town forgotten estate among the 5% most deprived in the country. There's a lot of addiction, but he says this is a true Christian miracle story. He was very moved by Sean's story. He said he's known him in the community for four years since he's been in Bolton, but obviously Sean has been a friend to him for, for the past 18 months since he's kind of gone through that recovery process. 
So it's a really uplifting story and nice to speak to him and also to know as well that it's actually had a, an effect on the community. As Ben Woodfield actually said, the ripple effect of his life, that's Sean's life, on the estate is also quite significant. He says people come along to church because of his story. And so this church has launched this 12-week course called Celebrating Recovery, which is, is, is going well. Yeah, so this is a 12-week course. It's based on the Beatitudes, being described as similar to Alcoholics Anonymous and other similar programmes, but obviously very much Christ-centred. It's only early stages at the moment. It's about three weeks in, but already it's had quite a positive effect. There's at least 10 people who have attended. It's lovely to hear about positive stories like this, and I'm sure there are many more across the country, but it's uplifting and good to know that actually these estates are not being forgotten um, and that there are opportunities there for mission. The search is on for 21 young people who are making a significant difference to relationships between the three Abrahamic faiths. I spoke to Paul Hanley about the launch of 21 for 21, which the Church Times is part of. So Paul, what is 21 for 21? It's a scheme that we've dreamed up with three other partners, the Jewish News, British Muslim TV and Coexist House to find young interfaith leaders. The impetus behind it is is that each of us knows that within our own religions, getting people to agree, getting people to catch the same vision is hard enough. And that's just multiplied in extraordinary ways when you're crossing the boundaries between religions. This concept that there are boundaries religions, of course, is rather a peculiar one because we have so much in common. And the other thing is the emphasis on youth. We're looking for people who are under under the age of 35 or 35 and under because we see in them a freshness of approach. They are experiencing the, the legacy of years of hard and dogged work by a few individuals to break down barriers. And that's great. I want to see people flying with this. And we know that there are loads of people involved. They're running youth clubs, they're discussion groups, common meals, sporty things, and so on. So... They're not hard to find, and we just want people to nominate them and put them forward with these these awards. And if somebody would like to nominate somebody, how do they go about it? It's very straightforward. There's a website, 21421, it's numerals.co.uk, and there's a nomination form on there. We ask a few details about why they're being nominated and so on, um, what their name is, <laughs> just sort of basic stuff. And we're looking for in the end, to pick out seven Christians, seven Muslims, and seven Jews who've contributed to to interfaith harmony. And then there's going to be an award ceremony in in Lambeth Palace in November, and we want to bring some of these young leaders together and set an example to others. We've got a distinguished judging panel who'll decide on the winners. Yeah, um, we've got some fantastic people, actually, from across all three of the main faiths. We've also had an endorsement by the Prime Minister, who last week talked about breaking down the artificial barriers, as I'm saying. It's a new initiative, but it's one that's got quite a lot of impetus behind it, so I'm I'm hoping that we'll we'll make quite a, a difference. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.